Hello and welcome to this Expert Insights CD. I'm Donna Hanson. Our Expert Insights CD series is designed to give professionals access to the latest trends, ideas, philosophies and approaches that impact on productivity, performance and achievement, both in business and personally. We know that these days it's often hard to find time to step outside your world and explore what's happening in other organisations. Our Expert Insights CDs are designed to provide you with concise information on topics relevant to you on a regular basis in a format that maximises your time and keeps you up to date with current trends. In this Expert Insights CD, we speak with Marilyn Suttle, who specialises in creating, get this, subtle shifts in the way people think and act so that they can produce massive results. But before we start, let's learn a little bit about Marilyn. Marilyn is a human potential expert and the author of the book, Who's Your Gladys, which I'm sure we're going to hear a bit more about, which focuses on how to develop customer retention to increase profits and create happy, connected customers. And by customers, we're talking both internal and external that come back. She is also a listed as a recommended human potential trainer by Jack Canfield, who, if you remember, is the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Marilyn offers practical tools to maximize success with customers and co-workers. She taps into the human desire to excel, maximize potential, and helps staff in organizations see themselves as CEOs of their own careers. I like that. Today, Marilyn shares with us how good and, of course, bad internal and external customer service can impact on your own and your organization's productivity. Welcome, Marilyn. Thank you for having me, Donna. I'm looking forward to a chat. But Marilyn, first of all, I'm curious, what exactly is a human potential trainer and how did you come to work in this space? Well, I work in the realm of leadership when it comes to creating service excellence. Everybody wants great customer service and companies want to give it, but how often do they really get that right? Mm. So I work with the people end of things because everything would work really well if it weren't for people <laughs> and that <laughs> huge potential to make things better for everybody. And that whole idea of being the CEO of your own career, you could be a janitor and be considered a leader in the company, depending on your attitude. Mm. And, and how did you come to be working in this space, Marilyn? Well, you know, it's funny. Back in the early 80s, I started training. In, I mean, I started in a corporate job. But then when I had a child, I started doing parenting courses mm -hmm. on my free time, which turned into a six-figure career for a while there. Wow. And what I realized is the parallels between tantruming customers and tantruming two-year-olds is not all that different. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I switched gears, re-educated, re, you know, recertified myself and dove into this world because I really love to make a difference in business because business is what keeps all of our livelihoods on top. It keeps our passions alive. It funds our life. Oh, fantastic. That's It's a great story to think that, you know, something that was of interest to you because of your circumstances, you made a career out of it and then thought about how can you commercialize this further. So um, why do you think this is so important uh, for us to, uh, to think about internal and external customer service when it comes to productivity? You know, it really is all about productivity, but the, the secret sauce is if you want things to be efficient, 
you have to allow things to be messy for a little while. Oh. It's sort of like when, when you teach your eight-year-old to fold towels, it might just about kill you because they're not perfect. And it takes a while for them to develop the skill. Or to When you learn how to drive, it takes a certain amount of time to be really competent to get on the, the expressway. And similarly, in a business, it's sort of like a, fu- a family in that because it's a group of people, you have function and you have dysfunction. So you need to be able to, to be productive. You need to be able to step back and and have it take longer in the short run to be more efficient in the long run. Mm, okay, so obviously if you have dysfunction, well then, you know, that sort of slows things down, doesn't it? Absolutely. And if you're in a group of humans, you will have dysfunction. So it's about locating it at every point and finding solutions and systems and, and workability in each area. Mm, okay. So what do you believe is the greatest challenge stopping us or our organizations from creating a great internal and cu- external customer service experience? It's all about one thing, and that's managing expectations. Mm. You know, when we talk about internal customers, people don't use that term too often. What is that? It's anybody who's affected by your work inside the company or anybody whose work is affected by you or you by them. So if you think of them not as, oh, that irritating person in the next department, but as a customer, an internal customer, you'll treat them just a little bit better. And whenever there's upset, it's because somebody had an expectation that hasn't been met. It's really that simple. They're not being unreasonable. They had an expectation that wasn't met. So learning to really diagram out, taking a productivity perspective of if you were to diagram out every point of contact you have with either internally with your coworkers or with the customer, you can then measure each point for, you know, are we meeting expectations? Where do we need more clarity? What can we do to take it up on a 10-point scale from where it is to where we want it to be? I guess one of the challenges these days is we just seem so busy that yeah. you know, it's just hard to make this a priority it sometimes it just seems like another thing we have to add to our to-do list right and it's something that is easy to ignore because you don't see the re- results immediately mm-hmm. the problem is it's insipid you know it, it it really does poison the whole atmosphere over time and you know with social media and everything it, people talk it, it it's very quick where it might be a slow start and then where do you where'd your customers go mm. <laughs> you really have to focus on it so it sounds like it's a lot to do with assumptions which i i think we're going to explore maybe a little bit further but uh that's really good you know i can understand that's probably the greatest challenge because people don't necessarily see it as a problem uh, they know there's something there but they can't quite put a label on it would that be an accurate statement Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, we think, I think, especially as a leader, and you're so busy, and you have such a big amount on your plate, that you think, let's just focus on the customer, internal will take care of itself. Mm. And the problem is, it's to be a provider of choice, you need to be an employer of choice. Mm. And even if you have just your own little department, those you work around, you influence people don't Um, quit companies they quit the people they work with Mm. so everybody's responsible for creating an environment yeah I once did I do a lot of keynote speeches and I was at a a healthcare 
facility. And I just threw out, what do you do to create a happier workplace environment? And one of the people in the audience said, what do you mean? Why is that my responsibility? Wow. It's like, what if it, what if that and customer service and the way you treat people is part of your job description instead of something you leave your job to go do once in a while? Um, I guess that brings us on to the next question I had, which are what are some of the common mistakes you see organizations make when it comes to serving those internal and external customers? Right. So internal, I'll start with internal. So one of the biggest mistakes is not enrolling your people in being part of the decision-making process. People will, when they get to be part of the decision, they own the decision and yep. they do a better job. And I just, I have a client who just did a brilliant job. Um, they they made the decision that we want to appreciate a certain segment of their customers. So they brought it to the team and a team member came up with, well, what if we do $10 gift cards? And just, just unexpected in the mail with a thank you for being our customer. And he liked the idea, so you know they went with it. And then what they discovered is you know, there was a, a customer called and said, well, you know, I, um, I don't feel like I really deserve this. I think I'm going to send it back, which you would never think a customer would say wow. that, but he did. And so very clever. You know, it's all about looking for solutions, pro- solution-focused. So the employee said, well, would you like to pay it forward and, and maybe give it to somebody in need? And they said, wow, yeah, that feels great. So then they're willing to share it with the rest of the team. That was now uh, that really good internal communication, I guess, would be really the key. And one of the biggest mistakes is do it my way, managing rather than leading. Command and control. There's a time for command and control. But if you never lead, where what a leader really does is empower the staff to come up with ideas and be part of the solution. So that's a big one that common mistake that people make is I'm the leader therefore you'll do what I say as opposed to really listening because the best ideas come from your front line and but what leadership really is about you need to know when to be a leader in the sense of stepping back and letting your team lead be the guide from the side you know and let them really be empowered to make decisions and tell you what works as it's often the front line that sees the frustrations customers have. And if you just ask, how would that be, a, how can we have a solution to this? Yeah. They'll come up with something better than management would. That's interesting because uh, something that, that came out and sprang to mind as you were talking through what you just spoke through is the um, the how that's quite similar to our life relationships. You obviously, uh, you often tend to find that you focus more energy on the on um, supporting and being with and sharing and talking and communicating with people outside your um, family home, for example, and not necessarily with your husband, wife or partner. And that often can be detrimental to your relationship. So that's that's quite a point what you were saying, that the internal doesn't take care of itself. We have to take care of it in some way um, like you would a relationship because it's the same sort of thing. And command and control works if you've got you know, uh, toddlers who need that framework and structure, but command and control doesn't work when you've got uh, teenage children or young adults. You have to change the dynamics, don't you? Right. Yeah, it's command and control when they're about to run into the street, or even with a teenager who's driving a car. That's one of the most terrifying parts of oh, being yeah. a parent, teaching them how to drive a car. And then they're about to swerve into a lane without looking. So there's a time for command and control. And 
there's also a time to say, well, what do you think? You know, when a child says, well, why this? Why this? Well, why do you think? And then usually when, when somebody asks a question why, they have some kind of answer in them. So a leader will turn the question back to the team or to the family and really listen. Um, listening is a really powerful dynamic for creating connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody likes to be heard, don't they? Absolutely. And so so what uh, are you saying that from an organizational perspective, external to organizations, that people are making similar mistakes with their external customers, that they're just saying this is the way it is, um, you know, and um, like it or stiff, that sort of thing? Right. Yeah, it, it, it's so funny because you're constantly seeing – I mean, if you go on Twitter and just type the word customer, it's hilarious, the complaint. I mean, it's not funny, but it's it's just outrageous mm-hmm. how many complaints are out there. And companies don't want to fail you. You know, pump, you, you, customers are the livelihood of, of every business. And yet, when they fail to have that kind of two-way communication, they really fail. It's like, you know, people are mad at you because... You, they had an expectation and you didn't meet it. Uh, this happens business to business all the time. Mm. Or even if you were to buy a home, I interviewed, oh, how many companies? Over a year and a half, I interviewed the best of the best companies to see how they do this, uh, manage these expectations. And one was a builder. And he said, one, what really good advice is notice the common complaints. When are the common times people get upset? And then handle it. Figure out a way of managing it so it doesn't happen. And so for builders, if you build a house and then your customers come in and they look at the basement that was built and maybe there's water in it, they're going to freak out. They're going to be very upset where it's actually quite normal until the basement is sealed for water to be down there. So what they do now is they tell customers at the beginning the good, the bad, and the ugly. You might see this. You might see a crack. You might see water in the basement. And that's a natural part until we seal it. So now when it actually happens, they have a point of reference mm. and they calm down quicker. Mm. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I, um, I've had um, a, d- a courier company uh, recently deliver something to my home and uh, – I rang them because it hadn't arrived and they said, well, it's been delivered. And I said, well, no, it's not because Mm. I haven't got it. That's why I'm ringing you. Well, it has been delivered. And I said, well, you need to check where it's been delivered and come back to me. And uh, I left it with them, uh, you know, quite angry and upset because I'd actually ordered something online to be delivered rather than me having to go and collect something in a store And it had actually taken up more of my time than if I'd gone to the store and bought it myself. And, you know, I never actually got a call back from them. Thankfully, the parcel was delivered to a neighbor's house who knew it wasn't theirs because it had my address on it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they lived in a different street. Their number of their house is clearly identifiable by their front door, yet the courier left the parcel there. And it was a couple of days later, the courier ended up coming to my home at like 7 o'clock at night, knocking on the door and and apologising to my husband because I'd been complaining online for for so long. And, you know, all I really wanted was somebody to communicate with me and tell me the status because I'm guessing I'm like a lot of people and you must see this. You know, when you know what's going on, it doesn't matter if it's bad news. It's just the fact that you can appreciate what's happening. 
Absolutely. People want to know that you understand what's happening, that you care, mm. and that you're doing something about it. You know, they'll calm down much quicker if they feel like they're talking to somebody who cares. As a matter of fact, they sue, you know, when it comes to doctors who are sued, there was a research done that uh, uh, customers much less likely, I guess you'd call a patient as a customer, yep. less likely to sue the doctor that they have a, a good relationship with. Mm. Um, they'll look elsewhere, even if it's definitely their fault. There's a percentage out there if you Google it, but mm. it's like, you know, that relationship, feeling like you care makes such a difference oh it does yep it does so so how's technology such as email and social media impacted on this do you think oh hugely it's just so i i do a lot of training around this and you know the two biggest dissatisfiers customers have is lack of accuracy and lack of availability those are the bottom two gallup did a huge research uh study on this um and those are the bottom two. So accuracy and availability. So let's say you have a team that responds to email and you tell your team, respond um, promptly when you get an email. Mm. Well, when you say, what well, what is promptly? Mm. Now, everybody has a different definition. Mm. So one person's definition is, oh, promptly, I'll do it within an hour. Another's within 24 hours. So everybody's working on different definitions of the word. And then... We've got the person who wants, you know, productivity is important. So they might get an email saying, um, I want information on my order. And so they think to themselves, well, I want to be productive, so I'll get right to it. And it's probably going to take me a couple days to get all the information they want. And then as soon as I have it, I'll email them. Mm. Well, every day that goes by, this customer is feeling ignored and upset and where on one perspective, he's saying, I'm being efficient, I'm being productive. Mm -hmm. The customer can't see you're doing those things. Yep. So something as simple as creating a standard around email or chat, or a standard that everybody has the same definition of, that we respond when you get the email, even if you don't have the information, you just say, I got your email, I'm working on finding out this information, it should take about X amount of time, and I'll get back with you. Now that customer's like, oh, okay, got it. There's somebody's doing something for me. Yeah, so, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, the, the same is true with social media. Donna, have you ever, <laughs> have you seen some of the funny um, social posts that are out there? Mm. And uh, people will do fun videos. There's one in the States here, we have a store called Coles. Do you have Coles where you are? I'm uh, not sure. No, no, that's Coles with a K. We have a Coles, but uh, your Coles is clothing and homewares sort of stuff, whereas ours is a is a market, a grocery store. Okay, got it. Well, we had just this just this past couple of weeks, we've had a, a woman did a funny Snapchat about her experience waiting in line at Coles. And it was hysterical. It wasn't criticizing Coles. It was just talking about the the lady in front of her and how difficult that she was. So it was amusing, but it was, you know, it went viral. It was like everywhere. And, and uh, I guess it was about a week later, Coles came out with a Snapchat response, thanking her for it. And it was hysterical. So knowing how to handle your, your social media well, being, you can be, talk about productivity. You can put systems in place 
so that you're monitoring them all and responding properly when things come in. And I guess from that email perspective, you know, whilst we gave examples of external customers, the same applies internally, you know, just keeping your colleagues up to date with stuff. It's not about ignoring them or whatever. It's just about making them or giving them information so that they know that you've got a handle on something and that they just don't have to worry about it, uh, which is really reassuring, especially in a business environment where you're all interacting as part of a team. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because nothing is more crazy making Mm -hmm. than internal emails. When you CC everybody on something when they didn't need to, and then everybody responds all Talk about poor customer service internally. You're driving people crazy. They're busy, and now you're bothering them with this reply all. Don't do that. And then there's people who don't put subject lines, or they answer part of the emails, but not all the questions in the email. So you're forcing them, or somebody proposes something, and you rather than helping move it forward, you just say, oh, sounds good. And then you make them come back and say, well, then what days work for you, you know, to meet? We we see so much of that lack of clarity in that and that just slows things down. And, yeah, that is is poor internal customer service. So, um, so many more questions I've got to ask, Marilyn. Tell me about your book. Who's your Gladys? What does it address and, and how did it come about? Oh, we were so excited about this. We, uh, American Management Association published the book and we spent a year and a half interviewing the best of the best companies from Singapore Airlines to Paul Reed Smith Guitars and uh, just hospitals that are in the 90th percentile for customer satisfaction. Ten different companies were we zeroed in on and told their stories and then we extracted out the things that any industry could do. So it was ju- just fascinating to create the book and everybody has a Gladys. Internally you have a Gladys, could be your boss, a co-worker, somebody who uh, you know j- you interact with all the time or, or not at all, just once in a while on the phone. But it's that person who requires a little something extra that person that creates that little feeling in your stomach, like, like, oh, or you see the caller ID and you have to prepare yourself before you talk to them. Okay, so the book covers, you know, um, a number of organizations, global organizations, and their real-life best practices, and then um, situations where they've had a, a customer that requires a little bit of extra attention and what they've done to make that experience different for them. Right, and it really focuses in on what do you do so you don't have the difficult customer in the first place. Ah, okay. And this is what I love is just like the attention to detail at every point of contact. It's, it's you know, when, I, when it was with Singapore Airlines, if you've ever flown them, they have orchids in the bathroom. They're just that something extra that you wouldn't expect. And they have, you know, when they serve a meal, it's served very strategically with everything if they give you a little salt and pepper which they actually do it's in the same spot on everybody's tray so that everything is coordinated and and they do wine tasting and it's just they look for preferences so if you're on a 24-hour flight and at lunch you pick maybe you had a bread basket with three different breads they're going to notice which ones you chose and give you more of that type the next time so it's a lot of paying attention and registering writing it down um, making mental note or uh, physical note to keep track of what people really like 
So that reminds me of the book. It's an older book now, but I think uh, you know it's still relevant. And that was by is it was it Jan Carlson of Scandinavian Air Services, and it was called Moments of Truth. And it was all those little points in time where your customer, internal or externally, has a has an interaction with you or your organisation, and how that influences their perception of your experience. Exactly, and you know one of the most irritating ones is when you talk in a scripted language. You know, you're you're scripted, especially with chat. That's so annoying. But even if you know you have the script to say, uh, "Oh, it's my pleasure," which sounds nice. Except uh, I had a woman I was interviewing. She said she was outside having dinner. Um, and an outdoor table. No, it was daytime, and a bird just happened to plop a little package on the table. <laughs> and the waiter came by, and she said, oh, excuse me, would you mind cleaning this up for me? And he said, it would be my pleasure. And she said, honey, that's not anybody's pleasure. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like it's so fake. People are so resistant. They do not tolerate fake anymore. So mm. if you script, that's great to be a starting point. But unless you understand why you're saying it and you're authentic, it it comes across as poor service. Yeah, and uh, sometimes it's a matter of having something that, whilst it provides a script and a foundation, it can be fluid and mm -hmm. move with how that person works. But, you know, that takes time, doesn't it? Well, it takes time and awareness, you know, mm -hmm. really looking at it from the customer's perspective. For example, in the hospital, they used to say, you know, go into the, dress, uh, the room and, and change into your gown. And... What they realized, if they just added the word for your privacy, I'm going to close the curtain while you change. They used to just say, I'll close the curtain while you change. Well, adding for your privacy has them recognize that you're paying attention to their privacy. It's a small thing, but it makes a really big difference in how the customer feels. Absolutely. Gee, that's interesting. So, Marilyn, when customers are upset because of a mistake made by someone inside your organization or by yourself, what's the most productive way to handle it? Oh, you know, the, here's the first thing you do is you thank the customer for telling you and mean it. Be really, because it's a gift. If you didn't know about it, yeah. it, it would just go on and on. And who knows how many other customers experience it. So just say, thank you for telling me. Um, I couldn't help you if I didn't know mm -hmm. and if you're genuine right there you're, you're going to be disarming and they immediately will calm down a little bit and then really listen tell me what happened and then listen 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 and say is there anything more I should know so that you're fully getting them allowing them to vent and as they're venting soothe yourself when they're when they're upset and they're you know just like it feels like a Gladys attack you know it feels like they're coming at you, and so what you say to yourself is this is good because not until their bad feelings come out can the good be restored. So once they feel heard, then they can hear you. And one of the big mistakes customer that we make with customers is to try to jump in and fix it too quick. Like we don't want to hear this upset. We want it to go away. So we're going to jump in and try to give them a solution before they've fully vented. And they're not ready to hear you yet. They want to feel heard and then they want a solution. Mm. And and one of the things that, that I've learned just from hearing different stories and, and reading articles, etc., is sometimes it's not a matter of trying to fix it with something, but rather asking the customer internally or externally 
what would you like me to do to resolve this? What would you like me to do to make you happy? Because sometimes they don't want anything. They just want you to acknowledge what's happened and accept responsibility for the mistake. Or it might just be make a simple change. But you, I guess it's it's you don't want to try to overcompensate and then come across as being insincere or like this happens all the time. Exactly. And when you ask them, what would you, what could we do to make this better? They're usually going to g- ask for a lot less than you would otherwise think to, that they'd want, that you'd have to give them. You know, sometimes it's, it's just that, like you said, they just want to know you care. Mm. And then the other piece is to follow up afterward. So if they have a complaint, for example, I don't like the way this bill is written. It's, I have to add up all the numbers before I, I want it just to be automatically written for me so I can each category is written. That's a great suggestion. So take it to your superiors, take it to the accounting department, and then get back with them to let them know what's going to be happening. And some of the best solutions that make customers more happy and the company more productive come from the customers if you just listen. Oh, absolutely. Because, yeah, that's that's where you're working out what people need. And ultimately, as an organization, you need to be listening to your customers and giving them what they want because ultimately that's why we're in business, to solve people's problems. Right, right. And my co-author, Lori Jo Vest, she, uh, she always talks with her team about um, seeing the, we call it seeing the good in Gladys. Mm. And so when you have that difficult person who does complain a lot, if you can make, almost like make a game of liking her, of, of creating a connection with her so that if you can, people can read how you feel. I mean, it comes out sideways. So if you could just make a practice of, of looking for ways to like your Gladys, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you start to build a connection because they're, they're prickly people are used to creating prickliness in other people. So, uh, it's, so, it's fun. so um, Marilyn, we're fast running out of time. How, how should leaders use the principles of good internal customer service to minimize future mistakes? Oh, great question. So, yeah, the idea of it, awareness, it comes back to awareness, and that would be communication. It's having a regular meeting around service. You could add it to your like morning huddle. You could have a monthly um, sub companies will read a book together mm-hmm. monthly. have like a book club and then talk about how does this relate to our company. Um, I, our second book, Taming Gladys, The Busy Leader's Guide to Fierce Customer Loyalty, has 12 20-minute meetings agendas that you just mm-hmm. take to a meeting. And so that you're bringing, creating awareness on the team of you know, what are you seeing? What are customers complaining about? You know, are we are we tapping in? Have we surveyed them recently? What, you know, what is their, on a scale from one to 10, are, are we a nine or a 10 or are we a six and a seven? And what do we need to move it up a notch? Mm-hmm. So, and it doesn't mean, you know, more meetings. It could just be no. adding in a question or two to a regular meeting that you're having. Exactly. Or throwing it in a newsletter or, you know, in any correspondence, having your, your, if you think of service excellence as part of the culture of your company, Mm -hmm. you want it to be a subliminal part where it's, it shows up everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a natural part of every conversation. And whilst you want the outwards facing service to be excellent, to your external customers, you also want the internal uh, facing um, customer service to be great because when you've got 
great internal customer service. Uh, it's a more happy and engaged environment. And I would imagine that that impacts on retention and people's performance and productivity because they feel more empowered and engaged with the, the company they're working with. Absolutely. And if you want the best people in your company, you need to create an environment where the best people will stay. And, you know, when I was interviewing a pipe company for the book, the, one of the things he said was that really quality employees want to work with other really good quality employees. It's like a spiral up. And so if you're going to hire someone, getting recommendations from good people inside the company is a really good likelihood you're going to get more of that upward spiral. But Conversely, uh, poor workers like to work with other poor workers because they have a group to hide with. Mm. So it's it's really, you know, creating an environment where, you know, if you walk through your company and you ask yourself, what would make my employees want to come to work here? You know, what and really cater to that, you know, creating a connection, listening, having, uh, you know, mean, helping them see the meaning in their work. It's not that they're just coming here to do a task, but what is the difference they make? And actually verbalizing that with them, acknowledging people for what they're doing well. That's the kind of environment where people are going to thrive. And it takes systems to do that. Sometimes you got to put a system in place to remind yourself. Absolutely. So, so that sort of answers what was going to be my next question, which is one or two tips our listeners could implement. So it sounds like things like um, communication, that's clearly come out in our conversation today as, um, you know, a, a secret source and uh, creating meaning around what you're doing and, and a connection with each other and systems. Right, right. And, you know, as talking about a system, we often think about the system for first contact. And you might have a rule that when somebody walks in, you make eye contact and smile. Like that's, that's, or if somebody comes within, there's a, the six foot rule. If somebody walks by within six feet of you, you look up and smile and say, hello, or can I help you? So those are simple things that are easy to implement and make a standard. But people often ignore last impressions. And so they had a great great experience with you and then as they're leaving they just leave and nobody says anything to them and it feels like oh the sale's gone and they don't care about me anymore they've got uh, the money yes exactly so taking a moment to make a good last impression mm. is important too mm. so that they feel like they, they matter after the sale mm. So before we, we sort of wrap and close everything up, Meryl, um, Meryl, and one thing I wanted to ask, and my head was going in, in a different place, subtle shifts. Tell us a bit about subtle shifts. What, wow. does, what does that mean? So it, often people want dramatic change immediately, and all that does is stress everybody out, and it mm. really fizzles. Mm -hmm. So I'm more focused on what are the small shifts that can make a big difference. Mm. You know, taking a moment to ask the question, is there anything more? It's a small shift, but it makes a big difference to the customer. Or to the small shift of seeing a customer not as a problem, but as a person. Just to say that in, my, in your mind as you're on the phone, this is not a problem on the phone, this is a person on the phone. Small shift, but how does that change your tone of voice? Mm. So I look at, all even when when a when an employee makes a mistake, it's not a dire thing that's terrible. It is tuition toward their education. Mm. So that shift makes a big difference in how you respond, and which makes a dif difference in the outcome you get. Mm. 
Absolutely. Well, Marilyn, some great insights, and I'm sure for many of our listeners today, they've not even considered some of the topics that we've explored because we're just so busy doing stuff. Um, I've got no doubt some of our listeners will be interested in touching base with you to either get more information on your services, check out your book, Who's Your Gladys, and your second one, was it Taming Your Gladys? Is that out yet? Yes, it it was just out this year. Oh, fantastic. So what's the best way for them to contact you? Well, they could go to whosyourgladys.com. Mm-hmm. That's W-H-O-S-Y-O-U-R-G-L-A-D-Y-S dot com. And if they put backslash bonus underscore gift, they can get a free first chapter of the book and some other goodies, uh, an audio program on service-minded affirmations as well. Oh, wow. All right. Terrific. Look, Marilyn, thank you so much for being with us uh, today and for sharing who your Gladys is and how to enhance both internal and external customer service so that we can increase our productivity. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us for this Expert Insights CD. For more information on productivity, technology, strategy, and training, visit the website, the three Ws, donnahanson.com.au. Until next time, this is Donna Hanson, helping you work smarter and not harder with technology. Bye for now. 